You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. I love, I love nights of baptism when we do baptisms in service. There's something so powerful about seeing people dedicate their life, their walk to Jesus Christ. It's, um, it amazes me every single time when, when people make that decision, this public declaration of faith, and they come around in, in this type of environment when we're worshiping and their family and their friends. And uh, it, you, can actually, you can actually feel what, in some small measure, John the Baptist probably felt when he was baptizing Jesus Christ. And then the Spirit descended like a dove. If the Holy Spirit descends into a place, into a person, into an area, you, you can bet that you're going to feel something. When, uh, when I gave my life to Jesus Christ, there was this overwhelming sensation that came upon me. I can't even really fully describe it. I just know that it was, it was like every fiber of my being was alive. Like, I, it's like the first time in my life that I ever really became active, where, where everything about me just... It was, uh, it was an awe-inspiring experience. Anybody else felt something like that? Felt an experience with the Holy Spirit? If you're not lifting your hand right now, stick around, because you will. You will experience, you will feel it in this church. Jesus even told the disciples, it, it, it's good that I should go, because when I go, I'm going to send you the helper. And I want you to wait in Jerusalem until you have received power. So if you wait, you will receive power. If you persist, if you have faith, if you stick around, you will receive power. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. It may take the form of speaking in tongues. It may take the form of prophesying, of words of wisdom, words of knowledge, all the fruit, the gifts of the Spirit. We don't know necessarily how or when the Spirit is going to impart those things. But we know, we know that if we wait on the Lord, He will renew our strength. And that's going to happen for you too. I'm excited for tonight. I, uh, I had actually had the opportunity last night to speak with the, the Pathfinders Apprenticeship, Molchanovs, Lola, Kyle Bowman, the team, doing an incredible job with, uh, with that team. And uh, when I was looking at the schedule, I was thinking, oh, I'm not like, okay, I'm speaking to Pathfinders on Tuesday and then preaching on Wednesday, and I was kind of tempted to, to shift the schedule around a little bit. It's been a, it's been a busy week. But, uh, but this message, I just... I couldn't, I couldn't shake the feeling that I needed to preach this word tonight. So uh, I know God's going to impart some things to all of us tonight. So get ready. It's going to be a good night. I love East Campus. Come on. East Campus. I, I don't know if you know this, but um, East Campus has a bit of a reputation. And it's, 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 not, it's not just for being rowdy, which we are. But then again, our pastor is Jürgen Matisius, so actually all the campuses have that anointing. It's not just for being hard workers like we heard at the ranch. There's a lot of hard workers in East County. We know how to get the job done. But the reputation that East Campus has and, and almost all the speakers that come through inside of the, of the Awakened family or, or guest speakers coming in, they just notice something a little bit different, a little bit unique about East Campus. They say when they come here that it feels like family. Yeah. 
And I, I don't know if I could, I could pick for a wish a better quality for us as a campus than it feels like family. And it's not necessarily because we've just been together for a long time. We're, we're only four years old as a campus. And there's a lot of people here tonight who probably have only been with us since we've been in this building. Lift up your hand if, if, if you're here just from the start of the, this building. You haven't been here before that. So many hands, so many people, and already so many of you just feel like family already. We've, uh, we've had to rely on each other through a lot of challenges over the last four years. There's been uh, several moves and relocations and, and challenges like tonight. Um, but I think that those have just served to make us stronger, to increase the bonds that we have for each other. And what I, what I really think that is a defining characteristic of East Campus, and the reason why it feels like family is because we understand something. We understand this little thing called true friendship. True friendship. Proverbs 18.24 in the message says, Friends come and friends go. But a true friend sticks by you like family. This, um, we're actually just finishing, or we just finished a series, The Future is Family. And, uh, and we're actually starting a new series this week called uh, Impact City or City Impact. And, uh, and you might think, well, I'm, I'm a, a week late on this message. But I actually think that this message is a good transition. It's a bridge from the future is family into impacting a city. And there was a great joy in the city. Lisa just told me they changed it today. It's always good to be in the know. I'll find out eventually. That's right. But true friendship is the key to impacting a city. When we understand what true friendship means... In, uh, in a few short weeks, we won't have uh, some of the challenges that we do now when we're in our brand new building. We've, we've had years as a church of set up and tear down and, and doing all that. We won't necessarily have to fight those battles anymore. Thank you, Jesus. But there will be battles. There will be things that we do have to overcome. But more than anything else, what I, what I hope and I pray for is that we never lose the family feel. We never lose the feel of friendship when we come in to this house. And that every new person that comes in, they would immediately recognize that there's an atmosphere of family. There's an atmosphere of friendship. But how do we do that? How do we keep the common ground? Not everybody that comes in is going to, you know, have experienced, you know, the place, the, the challenges that led us up to the place where we're at now. Not everybody's going to, would have experienced all the moves that we did all of the battles that we had to overcome, even being with us during COVID and, and the lockdowns and all of those things that we face. Not everybody's going to have that, that history that we do. So how do we keep the common ground? How do we, how do we introduce new people into the family and, and encourage them and help them grow as a part of the family? Let's look at John 15, starting verse 13. Jesus says this, Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know his master's doing. But I have called you friends, for all things that I heard from my father I have made known to you. 
we have to understand that, that our purpose, the, the purpose of making this house, this church, East Campus feel like a family is bigger than the problems that we face. Our purpose is bigger than the problems. Whatever challenges pop up, we, we do it together. We do it as one. We do it as a family. And when, when new people come in and new guests come in and visitors comes in, then, then we, we make a way for them to, to be a part of what God is doing. You see, it, it's, it's not about what, what we necessarily think is right. It's, just, it's about obeying our Heavenly Father. When we stand on that common ground, then we can all be pointed in the same direction. That, that we bring our differences together. We bring our, our unique history, our unique relationships, people from all walks of life coming together as a part of one family. And today, so today I want to I share just three characteristics of true friendship, three characteristics that I believe that we as a church, if we implement them, that we continue to have this family feel. And so I want to look first at Proverbs 18.24. Wait, didn't we already look at that? Proverbs 18.24. Let's look at the New King James this time. New King James this time, Proverbs 18.24. A man who has friends must himself be friendly. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. A man who has friends must himself be friendly. I just turned 40 this year. And, um, you know, when you hit those milestones, you, you take, a, take account, you take a stock of, of, of your life and, and think about the things that are most important to you. And, and without a doubt, uh, God just revealed to me, showed to me, and what I believe is, is the most important things in my life are my family and my friends. And your family, you know, apart from your spouse, you don't really get to pick. They're just given to you. Like it or not, here they are. Thanks, God. But your friends, that's something different entirely. I think the greatest gift, and this is the first characteristic, the greatest gift that anybody can give is friendship. Because friendship truly is a gift that keeps on giving. You actually have to continue to make the conscious decision to be friends with somebody. Most of the time, you don't live in the same house, you know, maybe not even in the same city. But you can consciously decide to continue that relationship, to continue that friendship. That, that being a friend, a true friend, is not easy. It, it takes work. You have to be selfless. You have to actually think about somebody other than yourself first. There's a cost to, to real friendship. You have to spend time, energy, money, birthday gifts, Christmas gifts, presents, all of these things that, that uh, I mean, it's not necessary for a friend, but because you're true friends, you want to do it out of love for that person. So there's a cost to true friendship. There's a responsibility to real friendship. Your friends will rely on you at times. And you as a true friend have the responsibility to answer the call at four in the morning, to pray with them, to cry with them, to laugh with them, to be at their kids' birthdays, to be at those celebrations, to do those things that true friends really do. Why do we do all these things? Why, why is it so important that we go through this process and we, we, um, we have the motivation to give this greatest gift of friendship? And the answer is simple. The blessings can't be measured. The blessings of friendship cannot be measured. There's, there's no comparison to, to the things that you give out versus what you receive from a true friend. The, the, the love that you receive, the relationship that you have, the ability to, to know that someone is always in your corner regardless of anything that happens. So I wanna do something right now. We're gonna take a little break from this message. 
I'd like everybody to stand up to your feet. As I was talking about these gifts, what it means to be a friend, if there's, if there's someone in your world that came to the front of your mind, then what we're going to do in just a second is we're going we're gonna to take a hug break. And I want, you, I want you to go find that person. And if it's your spouse, that's okay, but, but preferably somebody who's not your spouse because you can hug them all night. So I want, you to take, I want you to take a minute. I want you to go find this person who, who is constantly choosing to be your friend, who's constantly working in a selfless way to do things for you before they do it for themselves, who's constantly spending time, money, energy to bless you, somebody who is constantly taking responsibility to make sure that your happiness is the forefront of their lives. So if that person is in this building right now, I'd like for you to go and give them a hug, but I don't want it to be a, a five-second, hey, I just saw you yesterday hug, and you know, it's good to see you again. No, I want you to give them a hug that's an abnormally long hug, <laughs> one of those really awkward hugs where you don't know if you're supposed to release first or if they're supposed to release first or um, you know, one of those hugs where, where you, like, it gets a little bit uncomfortable because I need you to get past the uncomfortable phase. I want you to get to the place where you realize how much they really love you and how much you love them. I want you to give a hug to somebody that's a you-mean-the-world-to-me hug. It's a hug that, that um, is going to break some chains off of them hug. It's a hug that's going to um, make them realize that, that they have a beautiful purpose in their life type of hug. So right now, go find somebody. And if you don't have anybody, if your spouse is not here, then you go find Morgan McGill. I think she's the best hugger in the church. All right, all right, this could go on all night. And I honestly, I, I would be okay with that. I truly would. But there's, there's just a couple more things that I want to share with you. I do think that... Um, that in, the, in those moments, anybody feel like some stuff broke off of them right now? Anybody feel like this is family in here? Feels like family, right? Don't worry, there'll be plenty of time after service to continue the hug breaks. So you can hug all night if you want to. Just, just not in this building. If, uh, if, if in that moment and in that five-minute hug break, you, uh, if you had a struggle thinking about somebody who really, who really hits all of those points that I was talking about, if, if maybe it's, it's hard to think about um, a friend that's really, that's really that impactful, that powerful, then, then this is your assignment. Be that person. Be that friend. Hit all of those points. You, you go out and you do all of those things for somebody else. And watch, because the Bible says, as you sow, you will reap. That you will find that you have an abundance of those types of friends if you go out and be that type of friend. Don't, don't be like the old me who, who thought that I didn't need any friends. I had my wife, and, and that was good enough. She's my lifelong partner, and, and I'm, I'm good. Don't, don't be like that. And I'll tell you why. Ecclesiastes 4 talks about the advantages of companionship. I observed yet another example of something meaningless under the sun. 
This is the case of a man who is all alone, without child or brother, yet who works hard to gain as much wealth as he can, but then he asks himself, who am I working for? Why am I giving up so much pleasure now? It is all so meaningless and depressing. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help, but someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm, but how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Who, who are those companions that you have? And, and the men up at Emerge, um, we heard Bishop Dale Bronner's message, and he said, who are your six? Who are your six? Who are the six people that you can rely on the most? Who are your six armor bearers? Who are your six ladder holders? Who are the six people that will never, never let you down? And not because they, they are always perfect, just because you know their heart. You know their heart is always for you. We need, we need to have these people in our lives. We cannot walk alone. And uh, Proverbs 17, 17 says, A friend is always loyal, and a brother is born to help in time of need. You will come into a time of need at some point in your life. And there's going to be some things that, that uh, help that you need with that your spouse, spouse is just not the right person to fulfill that need, that you need friendships. And I'll, I'll give you an example as we come into the second characteristic I want to talk, to, talk about. Second characteristic of true friendship is friend faith. Friend faith. In Mark chapter 2, verses 1 to 5, it says, A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come. They gathered such, in such large numbers that there was no room left, not, out, not even outside, on the door, outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above, above Jesus by digging through it, and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, not the man's faith, not the crowd's faith, not the religious leader's faith, when Jesus saw the faith of the four friends, the friend's faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. There's going to be times when, when our faith is weak. When, when we have reached the end of our rope, we can't, we can't strive anymore. We have no more energy left. And, and that's the place where if you don't have those friends, you're in real trouble. But if you do, if you do have those friends, then their, their faith can sustain your faith. Their faith can actually take you to another level. Their faith can lift you up out of being paralyzed and set you walking again. Whether it's fear, whether it's depression, whether it's darkness, whatever it is, their faith can sustain you. And watch this, their faith can save you. It says it right there in the Bible. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, your sins are forgiven. His salvation came because of his friend's faith, not even his own faith. And there's going to be times when your faith is going to save somebody else. There's going to be times where God gives you a word for somebody. You're going to pick up that phone and you're going to call them and they're going to say, I can't believe you called me right now. This is the exact moment I needed to hear from you. Your faith can save people. Your faith, people can, your faith can bring people to Jesus. Your perseverance for that person who is lost, continually digging through a hole in the roof, whatever it takes, get them to the feet of Jesus. Just get them to the feet of Jesus. Go every Sunday, knock on their door if you have to. Go every Wednesday night, knock on their door. Go every Tuesday morning at 5 a.m., knock on their door, get them to prayer. 
Go every Thursday morning, ladies, get them to prayer. Whatever you got to do, your faith can save somebody. Now, you are not their savior. Only Jesus is their savior. But your faith can get them there. You can, when you move mountains out of somebody else's path, they have a clear shot to the Son of God. Are you doing that for your friends? Are you taking the time, the energy to use your faith to get somebody to the feet of Jesus? We need to, we need to have responsibility for our friends. We need to have responsibility. This is how we stay a family. When we, when we act like true friends, this is how we keep that family feel. But there's a caution. You might think, okay, great. Like, so so if, uh, if you know, other people's faith can sustain me, then I'm just going to go get a, a bunch of friends. I'm going to get as many friends as possible. I'm going to make them all my friends. Well, you do need to, to use wisdom. Just because you have a lot of friends doesn't mean you let everybody into your inner circle. Doesn't mean you let, you, you let give out your, your trust willy-nilly. You trust in God. You, you be friendly. You be open to friendships. But the Bible says guard your heart above all else because out of your heart flow the, the issues of life. So you do need to be careful. And, and let's look at this verse to emphasize this point. Proverbs 18.24. NIV. Proverbs 18.24. NIV. One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. That doesn't sound like the other versions of Proverbs 18.24. One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. This brings me to the last characteristic of, of true friends that I want to talk about. People aren't perfect. People aren't perfect. And that reminds me of a verse, Proverbs 18.24, <laughs> that I'd like to share with you. From the NLT this time, the NLT. There are friends who destroy each other. There are friends who destroy each other. Ouch. But a real friend sticks closer than a brother. Whenever, you, whenever somebody tells you, biblical, biblical scholars say blah, 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 just be careful about it. Because biblical scholars, four different groups of biblical scholars, can't even agree on half a sentence. Can we, do, we have, can, do we have the slide with all four of the verses? Proverbs 18.24, four different ways. Friends come and friends go, but a true friend sticks by you like family. A man who has friends must himself be friendly. One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. There are friends who destroy each other. How do you get that out of the same, the same words? Daniel, you're going to have to give me like a Greek or Hebrew lesson to figure out how four different groups of biblical scholars came up with those, those four verses. But there's something to learn in this, obviously, because it's in the Bible for a reason. Friends come and friends go. Some friends are seasonal. Some friends will, will carry you for a certain season of your life, and then God calls them to, to move on to a different place. Doesn't mean they stop being friends. It's just the, the season of that closeness has, has run its course, and that's okay. That's okay. Some friends, even if they move away, like the Demadios, are friends forever. They're always going to be friends. Doesn't matter how far away they are. They're still true friends. A man who has friends must himself be friendly. 
Friend, friendship is not a one-way street. It's a give and take. It's a relationship. It's communication. That, that friendship means that, that you give and you receive. If, if the relationship is just one way, that's not real friendship. One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. Choose your friends wisely, your close friends. Choose your close friends wisely. There are friends who destroy each other. Beware of toxic relationships. Oil and water don't mix, but fire and gasoline are explosive. If you're fire, don't make friends with gasoline. You have to realize that not everybody you encounter is supposed to be your close friend. But the point of this message, the whole point, and what I want to get to, what I want to, to land on, is the second half of this verse. Something, something was going on in the first half with all these different translations, but the second half of this verse is, is nearly identical in all four of these translations. A true friend sticks by you like family. A friend sticks closer than a brother. A friend sticks closer than a brother. A friend sticks closer than a brother. If we want to continue to be a campus and a church that's known for being a family, then we've got to understand how to live out true friendship in our life. And that doesn't, that doesn't always mean it's going to be easy. Finding true friends is hard. It is hard. You're going to have to be vulnerable at times. You're going to have to remove some big obstacles at times. There's going to be some situations where you're going to be hurt. You are going to be hurt. And if you've gone through a situation like that, if you're, or if you're in one right now where you, you, you had what you thought was a true friend and then they hurt you in a way that, that kind of scarred you very deeply, then you have to learn to friend again. You have to learn to friend again. And uh, I've, shared, I've shared my testimony in, in different ways a couple of times, um, but I feel like it bears repeating tonight. When, uh, when I was a, a new second lieutenant in the Air Force, uh, living in Ohio, and I, um, I got married for the wrong reasons, and, um, and that marriage ended in divorce. But in the beginning, it was, it was fun and it was exciting. And, in, and during our engagement, um, there was, you know, a lot of friends that came into our life. But there was this one guy that I was a, an officer with, another second lieutenant. And we just had this, this kindred spirit, you know, like David and Jonathan. They just, we just like kind of are, are we, we liked the same things, the same movies. We laughed at the same jokes. We kind of, we sat in the same office together. We had this relationship that was, was like a true friend. We, um, we, like he even came over to my house and uh, we sat down and we watched the entire uh, series, extended edition, Lord of the Rings, all in one day. Like 12 hours and 15 minutes of Lord of the Rings. That type of a friend, you know, that, that would do anything for you. But there was just like a couple of times when, when um, you know, we were all hanging out together, you know, my, my wife and I and, and my friend, and he didn't have a girlfriend, he wasn't married. I just noticed that there was like some, like some weird affinity between my friend and my wife. And, you know, it, was, it was, seemed like innocent enough and I, you know, didn't really want to make a big deal about it um, because I thought it was, it was nothing. But um, our, our marriage was breaking down for other reasons, not, not associated with that. But, but when it did, when we were on the rocks and when we were, when we were kind of separated, she, she ran to him. 
she, she ran to this man who was, who was my true friend. And I, I just, I remember one night there was, um, you know, like they had all gone out, you know, to, to party and, um, and she didn't come home. And I knew that she was over there. I knew that she was at his place and I was just struggling. I was wrestling with what to do. And, and I, I just got in my truck and I drove over to his apartment and I sat there, I sat there in my truck, like wanting to go kick the door down, you know, wanting to go get her back, but, but just so unsure about what I was supposed to do in that moment. And, and at like two in the morning, I picked up the phone and I, I called my dad and thank God for, for a dad who answers his phone at two in the morning. And, um, and he, he told me that he didn't have an answer for me, but, um, and he even said he would probably want to go kick the door down too. But just, just being able to talk to him, just being able to hear his voice and, um, and realize that, that that probably wasn't the best option. I went home and, and that marriage did, did end in divorce. And I actually found out a couple years later that they wound up getting married. And it was not an easy thing for me to get over. It was not an easy thing for me to forgive. But I made a decision that I wasn't gonna let that situation, that hurt, that wrong, keep me from having relationships moving forward. So I, I, I made the decision to forgive. And I made the decision to forgive again and again and again. And it took several times, it took years before you know, I feel like I, I really had forgiven them. And now I can honestly say, I hope that they're still married. I hope that they're having a great life. I hope that they've reconnected with their Heavenly Father. I hope that they're living God's best life for them. Because I know I am. I know where I'm at right now. And it's but by the grace of God. So I want to invite you tonight as we close, if you've been hurt, I'm not saying what happened was right. I'm not, I'm not making excuses for what people did to you. But I'm telling you that if you will learn to forgive, if you will learn to friend again, then God will help you live his best life for you right now. You haven't lost out on, on opportunities. You haven't lost out on availability. That he still has plans for you. He still has friendships for you. He still has a spouse for you. That, there, that your future moving forward, if you can forgive, if you can release that, is so much greater, so much higher than anything that you're experiencing right now. It's going to take some time. It's going to take some commitment on your part, regardless of whether they're asking for forgiveness or not, regardless of whether or not they deserve it. You deserve it. You deserve a better life. You deserve to be able to friend again. And so why don't we do this? Why don't we all stand to our feet? If that spoke to you in any way and... and you need just a little bit of help getting past some hurts in your life. Maybe getting, getting over some scars that, that happened in friendships in your life or other relationships, maybe in a marriage. 
then I'd love to pray with you. In just a minute, I'm going to invite you to come down to the altar because I believe there's something powerful in, in stepping out of where you are and coming to, to the feet of Jesus. Maybe you need a friend to come with you. Bring a friend along. Maybe you, you know there's a friend that needs to, to be up here. Then you go and you get them. You bring them to the feet of Jesus. You bring them to the altar, the place of change. Because the truth is, we need to be forgiven because this city needs us. Our families need us. Our friends need us. We need, to, we need to be forgiven so that we can go out and we can be those friends. We can be true friends. We can bring people to the feet of the cross. We can allow our heart, our faith, to bring somebody to the place of salvation. So right now, if you need forgiveness, if you need healing, if you need restoration and friendship, just come. Come down to the altar right now. Come down. Let God do some healing in your life. Whatever it is to get past those hurts, just come on down. I know that he's going to move in your life. There is redemption. There is restoration for friendships. If you didn't have somebody that you knew right off the bat that you were supposed to go hug, when we did that hug break, then come down to the altar. Help God restore something in you so that you can go out and be that true friend. You can do for others maybe what nobody is willing to do for you right now, but you set the example. Allow God to restore something in you. And if you're just sitting in your seats, you're standing in your seats right now, just stretch out your hands to everybody here at this altar. If you're here at the altar, just lift up your hands. Allow God to do something new in your life. Allow him to transform you inside and out. God, I thank you for restoration right now. That the greatest commandment is that we would love the Lord, the God, our God, the Lord, our God, with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our soul, with all our strength. And, and just like it, right next to it, is that we would love our neighbor as ourselves. Well, we can't really understand how to truly love our neighbor until we're able to receive love ourselves. And we can't really receive, truly receive love ourselves unless we love you. God, we thank you that you gave your only son, who you love so much, because you loved us. You so loved us. You gave Jesus Christ. We receive him right now. Anybody who doesn't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, just receive him right now. Receive that love, the love of the Father, that he sent his son to, to die for our sins so that when we come to the foot of the cross, that we are redeemed, that we are restored, that we are set free, and we are able to really love. God, I thank you that we'll take that love, and as we have received, we'll give. We'll give that love. God, I thank you for a release not right now a release of forgiveness, that we have been forgiven because we're, we forgive right now. God, I thank you that, that if there's any hurt, if there's any pain that anybody up here is, is holding in their heart, God, that they would, they would be open right now. In this moment, right here, right now, God, I ask that you put your arms around them. Give them a hug break a hug break from their Heavenly Father. They would feel your embrace. They would feel the touch of the Holy Spirit overwhelming them right now. God, I thank you for the presence, the presence of the Holy Spirit here in this place. God, I thank you that, that your touch is going to heal old wounds. There's, there's right now, there's, there's people in the, in the back of your mind that, that you know that you need to forgive. You know you need to release that, release that forgiveness. Maybe, maybe this is the first time you're doing it. Maybe it's going to be the last time when you really feel that peace that passes understanding. And you know, you know that you know that you know that, that there's no bitterness anymore. There's no pain anymore. 
It's not gonna remove the memory of the thing, but it's gonna remove the burden from off your shoulders. It's gonna remove the hooks from off your back. God, I thank you for the spirit of forgiveness right now. God, I thank you for the spirit of relationship, that there's new relationships that are, that are being birthed right now because of our willingness to come to you and to release forgiveness. God, I thank you for the ability to impact this city because we have the heart of a friend, of true friendship. You have shown us what true friendship is. God, I thank you that, that we'll take that, that recipe that you have given to us. We'll go out and we'll be selfless. We'll think of others. We'll, we'll use our time, our energy, our resources, that we'll be vulnerable when we need to, expecting the best out of people. God, I thank you for, for each one of us, that we would know who, who those really close friends are, that we would trust them, that we would, we would um, be vulnerable with them as we are vulnerable with you. God, that we give our heart to you and we, we release that trust and release that love to those that are closest to us. God, I thank you that you speak through each one of these people today that they can go and be that type of true friend for somebody else, that they can be a ladder bearer, that they, they can be a support, that they can be a, a friend that loves in all circumstances. God, I thank you for your friendship in this place, in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.